Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Homo Sapiens. Hello, everybody. Um, it's me. I've got a lovely episode for you today. It's a little bonus episode for Culture Club. Culture Club is where we showcase the amazing cultural releases in the world of queer culture. And beyond, you know, we're a broad church. Uh, Queer interest, I would say. Anyways, today we're going to be speaking to Liv Little. She is the founder of Galdem magazine and now has turned her talents to writing full-time, thank the Lord. Galdem was one of my favourite online zines. Liv actually stepped away from it. We've talk about this in the interview uh galdem has also now subsequently ceasing business i suppose but galdem was just such a fresh amazing thing look it up you'll you'll love it if you don't know it anyway she's now writing full-time and she has written this novel called rosewater it's the ultimate queer love story it's a beautifully written book i love i've just admired her for a long time so i'm thrilled um that she's written a book and it's great so without further ado here is my lovely chat with liv Hi, Liv. Hi. Honestly, I am so excited to talk to you. I've been such a fan for so, so long. And your name has been mentioned in our office. Uh, Our office. We don't have an office. But you know what I mean. We've been talking about (laughs) trying to get you on for a long time. It's been many years. Because we're not... Homo sapiens isn't a a multinational conglomerate, unlike yourself. Uh, You know, we're just a little cottage industry. But what you're doing is spectacular. And congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. Yeah, I couldn't be more um, excited. Well, I'm very much not a conglomerate myself. I'm just me. (laughs) Just me (laughs) writing, writing from my house on my own, mostly. And then sometimes I get to speak to other people, which is nice. But um, no, it's been such a wonderful experience and something that I've always... Um, wanted to do and um and the past few years have really carved out the time and space to do and now I'm a full-time writer and I'm just loving life I'm loving it I think it's um it's terrifying but it's also fantastic and I think the power of fiction and drama and tv and all of these kind of spaces to really just present different stories and perspectives and like encourage people to step into someone else's world I think it's I don't know it's such a wonderful thing I feel really fortunate that that's my job oh nice and so you know we've got your lead character Elsie and Mm. is there any sense of autobiographical nature about Elsie no Um, no I have attempted a book before and it wasn't great and I think the point was that you really have to allow yourself the time and the space to sit and let the characters kind of come to you 
mm-hmm. when I was in that space where I had a little bit bit more room to move around and to imagine um I sat down and like she very she was very strong and very clear and presented herself to me and no she's not me at all she's like very cool and you know <laughs> completely different knows that she's sexy and is you know all of these things but I think the the point is that there are like as as writers we obviously bring different parts of ourselves and the people that we love and the, what and the things that we care about into into the book so I think there are bits of people in the characters but no character is like this person from my life and I'm certainly not Elsie but I really wanted to write someone who was really kind of sure of herself who was her sense of self was not the thing that was going to be shaken. She wasn't having a crisis about her race or her gender or her sexuality. Like she, those things were certain, but it's really about, you know, all of the other things that life kind of throws at her and how does that, could that waver or how could that shift, you know, kind of with that in mind, but at her core, she knows who she is and her, she's a poet and and her, her voice is really, really strong. And I think that was really important to me. You know, she's in her late twenties. She's, she's clear on who she is and she's, she's lived and she's experienced things in the world that have shaped her worldview and like her defense and her inability to maybe open up and be vulnerable. But in terms of who she is, she knows that. Mm, That's really interesting. And is that a person you can relate to? Um, Yes, but I think, you know, I've kind of had a lot of personal things go on for me in the past, you know, four or five years, a lot of loss, a lot of mental health crises, a lot of things. And I think, actually in you know returning to the things that I love over the past kind of couple of years I was really I was really shaky on who not who I was but I think yeah my sense of self and my ability to touch and check in with myself and know what it was that I wanted or what I needed was very shaky I was lacking confidence in in kind of my voice and who I was and so you know maybe part of the process of writing Elsie was who has a very strong sense of voice, part of that was about, was also about me then stepping into my voice and through writing the book, I was able to then kind of like step back into my power, you know, like mm-hmm. I was not in a good place. And and I think it's, it's obviously alongside lots of other things and therapy and life and all this stuff that you go through. But I think it was definitely a really kind of useful part of my like healing journey, which is obviously, you know, ongoing. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's never ending. But, you know, you go there with so many of the characters and themes. That's one of the things I loved. And, you know, I don't want to ruin any of the story, but there is, um, you know, there's this character called B, and, mm. you know, Elsie and B have a, um, maybe a, uh, one would say a complicated relationship and sort of like navigating the whole idea of friends with benefits and stuff. And yeah. they are sort of occasionally seeing each other, and then B says that, that she would never marry a yeah, yeah yeah she'd always marry a man and end up having a family and stuff mm. and i th- i think that's that's such a fascinating territory to be exploring that i don't really feel like i've seen what made you want to talk about that because it's so interesting well i think there are so many i don't know the community is huge and it's so varied and i think people's relationship to who they are and show up in the world is so varied as well so like yeah you've got elsie who is like very sure of herself and her queerness and always has been acutely acutely aware of that but you Mm. know i mean even for me and my experiences of like growing up being queer was like or or the thought of dating women which i i did when i was 16 but it wasn't really taken very seriously it was seen as like either a hot sexy thing for the guys or it just Mm -hmm. wasn't seen as like a yeah it just wasn't taken as as something that was 
you know, that was that was real or that was valid, right? In terms mm. of my, my the circles I was in at the time. And so I think, yeah, like it's interesting because, you know, and Elsie kind of says to be like, for someone whose, you know, knowledge of vagina or whatever is so instinctual, you're so sure that you're not, um, you know, it's crazy that you're that you're saying that you're so sure that this could never be because you you do enjoy this and we do enjoy this and we do have a good time and we do connect. But, you know, there are all of these like things that Bea's learnt about how she should show up in the world and what is seen to be acceptable. And that doesn't mean that she won't be happy. Um, I'm also trying not to ruin anything. But, yeah. <laughs> but equally, it's important to be able to interrogate why we think certain things. And I actually think, you know, I've done this as well. When I first kind of got with my partner, I was like really young. I was 23, right? We've been together for six years now. And I was so intense. And it was like, you know, at this age, I'll get married. And at this age, I'll do the kids thing. And then when you actually start to live, you realise that life and the world is more complicated than that. And do I want to do things? And if I do do those things, which I think I will, but like, how do I do them in a way which feels like me and us and not in a way Mm. which is reproducing the same kind of like heteronormative standards and values that, you know, that kind of dominate the society or systems that we kind of live under, right? So it's like, she's like operating within that, you know? And I think it's important questions to ask ourselves, like how and where and why do these supposed choices or preferences or things kind of come from? And it's okay to want the hetero or, you know, it's okay to want those things, but I think it's important that we just like ask ourselves questions. And like, there's so much queerness represented in the book across across um, different generations of, of women, of black women. And they've all navigated that space in very different ways. And that was something that I, that was really important to me that there were older characters, younger characters, the older characters aren't just there to like serve as like this kind of teachable moment for the younger characters. It's really like, Mm. they're all very full, fully fleshed out, very alive human beings that exist Mm. in their own lives. Cause I think we also do this thing right with older people or our parents where there are parents. And then you usually get to an age where you realize that they're not just your parent. They're actually a whole human being. Right. So it was really wanting to, you know, kind of make that clear that her grandma and her, and Maggie, her, like her pal, like they've, they've all got these really, really kind of rich lives that they've lived and that they are continuing to live. And I think that was important too. Yeah. And her her grandma is queer, right? Yeah. do you have your own relationships with older people? Because some of my, you know, I've got a couple of older friends who are like, you know, like 82 who are queer. And I, I love mm. it. I love, I love that. Do you have that? Not so much in the 80s region, but in the like 50s and 60s region in the last couple of mm. years, like absolutely. And I feel like just so grateful to like, to have met these wonderful, dynamic, wacky kind of people some who live where I do now, some who I've met like kind of along the way, but I love talking to them and I love, you know, just exchanging stories. And I also love like comparing what it felt like for them at periods and at crossroads that I'm Mm. in, because I think we think that all of these things are so like new or unique or the, you know, the inter uh, community politics and all of that sort of stuff is like, all of that stuff is very, has been happening for a long time. And it's the same kind of like cycles that stuff goes in. And I've always, I've always loved this, you know, like in, in all of my work and in the projects that I've done in the past, I would always be trying to bring an intergenerational lens because I think it's so, it's so important. I don't want to just exist in a bubble with like, just this, like, not the same people, but like, who have done this, who've gone through on the same path, done the uni thing, I don't know, in the same workspace. Like I, I want to, like, I, I'm curious about the world and I, I want to 
in a really natural way, just like be able to tap into and step into into those relationships more, you know, organically. And I think actually like I don't I live outside of London now and I think I think community can exist in London. I just think it's like a very different thing to the community that I'm experiencing living in like a small kind of like seaside town, right? And like that community is a real physical presence and thing. And like, Mm. I naturally now have like groups of people that I hang out with where we're all so different and all from such different backgrounds and ages. And because we are like, you know, kind of like black people living in a a predominantly in like a small seaside town, we like this, the sense of community is really important. It's like, I've got some friends that live in, in Jamaica, right? And, and the queer community is like quite small there. So you can have, you know, you can all have your disagreements. You can fall out with people or whatever, but it doesn't become, it's not as hostile, I think, in, in the way that it can sometimes become in the digital age and like in London, because they understand mm. the importance of physically needing to show up for each other when shit gets real. So you can be annoyed, you can have your differences, but you're, you're always going to kind of like be there for each other in a way. Mm. And I think we have a culture of just like, I don't know, like cutting people off and deciding, you know, people are good or bad or, you know, whatever. And I think actually it's more nuanced than that. And and I think that's something that, like I say, living living by the sea has really kind of taught me. So yeah, the kind of intergenerational dynamics and all of that stuff, it was key for me that that be a part of Rosewater. That's so nice. And where are you by the sea? Um, I'm in the Kent coast. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's really interesting in that part of the world because when I've been to see friends who live in Margate or friends who live in Rye and Hastings and stuff, it feels like East London was 20 years ago or whatever. A great sense of community. And mm, it's um, real. Yeah, it's mm. really nice. And like, we went into a restaurant and like, for the first time in years, like people on the other table started just talking to us. And I was like, God, I hadn't even thought about the fact that that hasn't happened in years. And I feel like London, I don't want to bash London. It's amazing. But like, it's everyone's just got their head down because they're just trying to survive. <laughs> but there's also a sense here, because I think it could be overwhelming when you kind of also you step out and you know you're going to see people. But there's also a real understanding. And I think a lot of people have come to this place specifically to heal and to reset their lives. So there's a real understanding of like, the fact that sometimes people want to be visible and and out and sometimes people just want to retreat and just, you know, be kind of quite solitary. It's like the balance here feels really, it feels really good, you know, and I, and I, and it feels real. And I, and I, and I, and, and that, that real actual human connection is, is what's real. Those are the things that matter, like really. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, I was making a joke about you being a conglomerate earlier, but you know, you mm. set up Galdem and it was, huge not straight away but it it Mm. really became such a massive cultural thing um and I sort of I I I feel from you online and I feel from what this conversation we're having that like that was maybe a bit too much and (laughs) and and you know, I've heard you speak about burnout before. And mm. t- how did Galdem start for anyone who doesn't know? And then how, what was that journey? Yeah, so it started, uh, I, I started it when I was at uni and really, you know, just like, I've always been a very fast paced, want to get shit done kind of person that if I see something is missing, I want to do it or I want to do this internship mm. and I'm going to always have a million jobs and I want, you know, always on the go, <laughs> right? And so it was like, there's this thing that's making me really sad, but I just, I was like, I can't just feel sad the whole time. I need to do something about it. 
Um, and so that's kind of where it um, where it started. And I was 21 and I'm now 29. Right. Yeah. It's been going for eight years and it was beautiful. and It was wonderful. And I learned a lot about myself and worked with amazing people, hundreds of people over, you know, kind of the year period, which is also intense, wonderful, but also intense. Um, and we did some amazing, you know, I was really proud to be to be part of and lead on some really incredible projects and then yeah like I mean from the beginning I was like you can it's all I was kind of looking back at some old interviews and stuff and even from the beginning I talked about how I was losing patches of my hair due to stress and like when I had hair and um yeah I think as 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 wonderful as it was it was it was really hard and um and it's taught me a lot and I'm really grateful that it existed and that I've been able to meet some amazing people and like you know so much we did we've kind of did so much but yeah I definitely got to a point where I had to prioritize my own well-being and happiness which meant like taking time to figure out what I wanted and and it's not wasn't just that you know like I've been through quite a lot of big loss in my life like I've lost my stepdad during that peak period when it was growing, I then, mm. you know, as soon as I was on the way out, I was in and out of hospital appointments with my dad trying to figure out what was wrong with him. And then it turned out he had motor neuron disease and I cared for him and went through that. And like, also you're going through burnout. And I think when you're going through real life stuff, like the stuff that matters with, with family and you're losing people and you're watching them confront death, like you, you ask yourself questions about what do I want and, and, and why, am I doing it and do I need to do it forever or like how, where do I want to live like all of these just big questions what where do I want to be do I want to have a family is that like you know or just big things and so yeah like I mean I don't want to ever do the same thing forever firstly and secondly I think um you know all of these losses they teach you that you don't always have a choice when it comes to the to, to the way that things are going to pan out and so I try mm. and embrace change as much as I can and um you know the things that I'm focused on now is like writing and like finding joy in my life and healing from like the big traumatic loss you know which you know was just a year ago that I lost my dad's and I'm very very much still in that space um mm. and like being with my partner and will we start a family and like you know those are the things that I want to focus on and like sharing my mum in love and my 88 year old nan in love and like investing in that and my community here like well, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because, you know, so like, my dad died five years ago. And, um, mm. and I'm really sorry to hear about your dad, because I know it wasn't long ago at all. And mm. sorry to hear about yours. It doesn't oh, five thanks. years, one year, it's awful. Yeah, you know, death and loss makes you reassess everything, everything. doesn't it? Like, everything. you just see it through this completely different filter. And you feel like you're living in an alternate dimension where people are complaining about stuff and I'm not saying their stuff doesn't matter instead of yours it's just like you it's about priorities you know like we can all mm. get as stressed as we like about whatever but it's like well you know you're really people what am I trying to say everybody really lives like they're gonna live forever <laughs> you know yeah. like and it's not like what do you want to focus your energy on and I just was like I joy happiness it has to be now it has to be, mm. it can't be stress or killing yourself or like, no, I'm not like, no, you know, and mm. I work really hard still on, on the projects that I've got 
ongoing but I'm working in a different way and I'm still negotiating what that looks like obviously you've got your busy periods where things are just mad right but Mm. it's about I'm now trying to recognize where those patterns are and then like make space to look after myself within that and I think it's an ongoing process of learning but Mm. it's important that we choose ourselves Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What are some of your rules? Like, do you have, like, no phone in the bedroom at night, all that stuff? I should have no phone in the bedroom. Uh, my partner's <laughs> always like, get up, don't go on emails first thing, because if I'm stressed, like, that doesn't help. Um, I don't know if I have hard and fast rules, but I'm trying to, like, listen to what it is that my body is telling me that I need to do. Like, whether that's have a cup of herbal tea, have a bath, go for a walk, book an extra acupuncture session, switch off your phone, you know, like today I'm, I cut some of my best friends are going to come. I like cooking. I'm going to cook like a Sunday dinner and that would be really nice. It's like mm. trying, just trying to be more consistent with the things that I'm doing. And that's taken a lot of work and also like a lot of, a lot of great therapy. You know, I had an amazing therapist and, and then it's, it's also how do you deal with the moments of stress? Right. Cause when my dad was dying and I was like the one sorting out everything, my mom just kept saying to me, you have to pace yourself pace Mm. yourself because it's this is not even the worst of it and it's you're like how can it get any worse like this is awful right um Mm. but then you do start to learn that right like what things could I delegate to friends that are asking like where can I ask for help and what are the things that I have to do and what are the boundaries that I have to set for myself I'm not so I don't need to announce those boundaries to everyone but like for me what do those look like and I think that was a really useful thing for her to keep reminding me to just pace yourself, pace yourself, you know? Yeah. It's also like, uh, I'm, you know, my mum did the heavy lifting with my dad when he was dying. So he had cancer and it took many mm. years. Um, and mm. she did all the, the stuff. But, you know, it's like it's a family effort. And then um, like nine months ago, me and my husband had a baby. Oh, and... congratulations. Thank you. And it's really interesting because they are very, very similar processes, but Mm. someone dying is like, it's, you know, like it's, you don't sleep because they're up at funny times. Mm. It's very intense. It's very round the clock, but, and this doesn't, this isn't to say anybody doesn't want to help or anything. It's just people don't really know how to talk about it. So it's a bit like having a baby 
in secret is <laughs> the only way I can think about it. Because mm. it's like when you have a baby, everyone's so joyous about it and people come up to you and talk to you about it and it's all lovely, lovely. And like, and you, it's none of that. And also like people don't fully understand. They're like, oh, if they're ill, like, isn't that going to end soon or something? It's just, it's, it's a really, in- they, they definitely mirror each other. Mm, that's really interesting. It's it's helpful to acknowledge if something's shit, right? Because having to deal with it and then pretend you're happy is, even, you know, double the work. Yeah, literally double the work. You're just like, <laughs> I used to just come home every day and like lie on the floor and just cry because I was just so like depleted, you know, my poor girlfriend. I just think bloody hell, like she's a saint because from the beginning, I the work-life balance thing was never really a thing and it finally is and she's just like so excited that we get to spend like more significant time and that we get to make plans for our future and it you know but yeah very very patient woman <laughs> oh. and changing the subject because uh, there was one of the things that struck me about the book was that you know Elsie is a poet but she's 28 but she's she's worried she might be too old to make it I wanted to talk to you about that because I'm fascinated by that whole idea because in some ways, you're one of those people who was super successful really young, <laughs> like, mm. and therefore gives kind of a skewed idea of what life can be to lots of people because it's, you know, we've just got to find what we want to do and just keep plugging away at it, is my opinion. Mm-hmm. But do you feel that? Do you feel that pressure on yourself like Elsie feels or have, or is it something you see in your people around you I I think there is a pressure of course to perform success and to like do things by a certain age and time frame I think you Mm. know I was very young I was 21 when I set up Galdem and you know everyone tells you how amazing you are because you're young and stuff and that how it's okay Mm. that you that you kill yourself because you've got the energy because you're young and it's like and you then internalize that and you you reproduce that and you hustle but also when you really care about something that's also what you what you what you do right but it's like after five years I was like you know there's a limit I actually really love the fact that the work I'm doing is a lot slower now and a lot less immediate and actually therefore I hope has like like longevity I want to create pieces of Mm. work and art that like what that 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 can stand beyond this particular moment or or time you know I want I want to make art in that way and I think that's why film tv books it's so there's just it's so so special yeah but I think definitely you know like with the Forbes thing like I've had friends that have been like so stressed that they weren't put on that list the Forbes 30 under 30 list and I'm just like it's 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 actually not real it doesn't matter yeah we all share it and it's like cool cute whatever it doesn't do anything for your life like Mm. it, it actually in my perspective I I don't I don't think it does like and it's all like nomination like people are choosing who they get to nominate it's not like a democratic process so I just Mm. think that should never be the focus the focus should never be like I want to have loads of follow or I want it like that stuff it's like bullshit it doesn't matter like the things that you should be focusing on is like are you really proud of this body of work like and then I think the rest naturally will come after some time you know the more people kind of connect and engage with it but if you're going in it because you want a name or a platform effect like it's just not it that will be obvious and and, mm. and I just think it'll just uh, like the in, social media is not real like the internet is not real like we are real but that is not real <laughs> and it's like we so forget that and Twitter and all these things feel so real and so urgent it's just it's not real did you did you take a while to learn that or did you always know it or no you know? I I think I always knew it 
Yeah, I always knew it. I you like you work with on platforms and you do and you use things in a way that like that you need to 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 showcase your work and whatever. But it's like mm. no, I never I've never looked on people's like social media and thought, oh, you're just having the best because I know that it's not like I know that I could be posting a million happy photos and having panic attacks every night like it's just it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't make sense I would love to be able to like utilize a platform that I have to like get my book in front of people and have people engage with my work and all of that sort of stuff that is really important to me yes but I would love to get to the day when I don't even need that (laughs) to like Mm. to, to push a project out into the world like you know how Michaela Cole is not online and then like from time to time when she's got a project she'll come out and say hey that's the vibe like I don't want it like I don't want the internet or Twitter to be the first thing that I come and sit down and I look at it as my what I don't know I'd rather have a conversation with my girlfriend in the morning than look at Twitter. Yeah. Someone said this thing it wasn't someone like it's like a famous saying or something which is like seek happiness not pleasure Mm. um and that there's a distinct difference mm. between them and it's like it's always kind of stayed with me it's like that's how I kind of assess stuff I'm doing and I don't always get it right at all but you know it's like am I doing this because it's pleasure or am I doing it because it makes me happy yeah and being happy is the right thing being happy is the right thing and we obviously are working under like the system that we are so like we utilize those things right like I work on partnerships and I do things and then I take that and I reinvest it into my into my like creative writing time and like mm. you have to figure out you have to navigate things in a way that works for you of course because you know that is where we are but I think yeah exactly happiness like sitting and scrolling ain't gonna make me happy or fulfilled but sitting and reading a book might or sitting and go or going for a walk on the beach might or like cooking for my mm. friends might or giving my mum a hug might or going to the theater with my sister might you know I'm in a really creative phase as well where I just want to make art and I want to write and I want to write and I want to like connect with people and I've got all these little projects with friends of mine who we've been waiting for the right thing and it feels I'm just like I'm like buzzing and that's the energy that I want to carry through and and forward yeah so this is you now this is is there going to be another book there is I've got a two book deal so there is uh I haven't written it yet but there is (laughs) (laughs) oh that's amazing Mm. oh Liv this has been so lovely to chat I cannot wait to see what you do next thank you what an amazing start and I feel like it's um, I'm thrilled to hear it's just the beginning thank you yeah me too I'm like I'm like excited for I'm 29 I'm excited for this next decade or this next era I can't wait to get into my 30s and for my wow. 30s to be about just living and exploring and and hopefully there'll be no no more death <laughs> for at least a bit give me like <laughs> yeah. give me a bit of a break um give me a little yeah, break a bit of time uh. to just make things that but you know equally having said that if you don't live, you can't really make art, right? Like I know that the depth of feeling and sadness and pain and joy and all of the waves of it that I've experienced through all of these things in my 20s, that contributes to my creative of work and art and practice in the way that I see the world and the emotion that I'm hopefully able to convey through the characters that I build and the worlds that I create. So it's like, not that those things have to happen for it to, for, 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 for that to yeah. be good, but I think it, I don't know, me trying to find like a positive from from all of the kind of shit is that actually it hopefully makes for more, I don't know, for great art. (laughs) Thank you, Liv. Thank you so much for stopping by HS Towers, as we say. On Thursday, we are going to be chatting to Joseph, the singer. If you don't know about him, 
Stop what you're doing and just Google him. J-O-E-S-E-F. His music will blow your mind. He is Amy Winehouse meets Adele meets Sam Smith meets, 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 meets all your favourite singers. I am obsessed, it's fair to say. And we had the most wonderful chat. And um, has a really interesting connection to Douglas Stewart, who wrote Shuggy Bane, actually. And I know you all loved that. Um, so, yeah, have a listen. Get in touch, stay connected at Homo Sapiens on Instagram, at Homo Sapiens Podcast on Facebook. Keep your emails coming. It's your questions, it's your comments, it's your berating. Berate me, do what you like. Hello at Homo Sapiens Podcast.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sending you all a ton of love. 